Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. Blake, it is time for ATDC Radio. I love coming down here to the campus and doing this show. It's There's so much energy, a lot of IQ points walking these halls, but a lot of enthusiasm and so much collaboration. I just love the energy here and glad you could come down here and join me, man. Yeah, glad to be here. It's good to finally be in Georgia Tech. All right. First up, in episode one here on ATDC Radio today, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast ATDC mentor, Nakia Malicio. How are you? I am good this morning. A little sleepy, but uh, I'm good. I've been in and out of an airport for the past three weeks, in and out of hotels, but uh, I'm enjoying being back here at ATDC. I love being here coaching and mentoring. Well, we are delighted to have you. We went and got you off of your perch there in the lobby. Uh-oh. <laughs> this, no, this is where you live in this lobby. We've been down here probably six or eight months now, coming once a month to broadcast live, interviewing folks uh, uh, all over the place. And I, I, I got to say, I think I see you out there almost all the time. All the time. I take most of my office hours, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Um, occasionally, unless there's a crisis or something and somebody needs to talk to me immediately. And then, you know, sometimes I'll dip in maybe a Monday or, or Friday, but for the most part, I'm here Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays is where you'll see me out there in my, uh, my cheese spot. <laughs> so a, a day in the life of an ATDC mentor, what, what do you do? Yeah. So most times, you know, I spend a lot of time in the customer discovery process. Um, we have customer discovery lab every Thursday. And a lot of times there's companies that are in there that are going through the customer discovery process. And oftentimes they'll want to have like office hours after to kind of talk about um, some of their findings um, to talk about some of the things that they're doing within their business model. And sometimes I just spend time just helping them tweak it, making sure that they're, they're talking to the right customer. Um, and we just kind of brainstorm on what's the best strategy for, you know, building out their business. So what drew you to fill this role? What were you doing before you were doing this? Oh God, I was, um, you know, had like, 20 other jobs I was doing. No, I'm just <laughs> you, you can't hold a job. <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I am the epitome of a serial entrepreneur. You know, I've got that sickness and that disease that I just can't get rid of. You know, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. Um, you know, the running joke, we did a little video around here and Aubrey makes a joke about, it. he says, if I hear one more comment about a pack of now laters, I'm going to pass out. But literally, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I figured it out as an entrepreneur, young entrepreneur. Um, and what drew me here to ATDC um, actually, I found out about ATDC because I'm mentor for the National Science Foundation. And we had a meeting with the team, that, which was a Georgia Tech team, and we met here. And I was like, how have I been in Atlanta all this time and I've never known about ATDC? And so it was just kind of one of those things where I walked in. I was like, okay, this feels like home to me. you know. And then I was like, I got to figure out how you know to become a mentor here. And it was a process. You know, you apply, you know, you submit what your skills are. Um, it took a couple months. I heard back, came in for the interview and I said, sure, you can come on board and, uh, mentor. And, uh, it's been a wonderful experience ever since then. So walk us through it. Uh, a per- I was about to say a young person, but it's not necessarily the case. There are people that maybe are on second, third, fourth chapter taking another swing at this thing. So I won't say young person, but a person's getting something going. They, one of the things they, they, they can avail themselves of just all of this education and, mm-hmm. and access. 
So uh, that person or that team is taking advantage of all of that. When and how do you get plugged into the to the process? To when they're starting the business or or yeah or uh, I guess so yeah yeah so so it it's kind of uh, there's no okay we're going to start here we're going to start it's here. not step three point yeah, five it's not step three point five it's okay. kind of like okay I've you know a lot of the companies they think they know what starting a business is and so they. Go out, they get their business card, get the business license, get the everything website, but a customer. Get everything but a customer. <laughs> right. And so then they go out and they try this, and they try everything in the world, and then they come back in and it's like, man, I, I, something's missing. And I was like, yeah, you don't know who your customer is. That's what's missing. <laughs> you know, it's like you spent all this money. Uh, and so what I try to do is, is I try to help them understand who their customer is. Oftentimes people will say, well, Delta Airlines is my business. Let's just throw that out there, you know, and they'll say, well, I'm providing X service to this airline. Okay. Well, who's buying that specific service? Oh, well, Delta is buying it. No, Delta's not buying that service. Who specifically within that industry or that mm-hmm. specific person within that specific department that's buying your specific service? And so, and that's what I spend time helping them understand who is the right person. Are you talking to the right person? Um, and oftentimes they don't understand that. They think it's just the big, large company, and it's usually that real micro, small individual who has the problem, who has the pain, and I try to help them identify who that person is and where that pain is. So I want to talk about this problem-pain thing because mm-hmm. I wonder if you find this. I run into it occasionally trying to be a, a little bit of a marketing, strategic marketing resource to some mm-hmm. firms. Do you find that some people come in here with a solution in search of a problem? All the time. <laughs> as opposed to identifying a problem? All yeah, the time. Yeah, speak to that a little bit because that's time. a real challenge for folks. It, it is. It is because it's, it's you know, you, you we all have these natural assumptions because, you know, we're the smart at something, educated at something, or we spend some time working in specific injuries, in, industries. So we have these natural assumptions on that we know what the problem is, but they're, everybody's job is different from company to company, and it, but the problem may be specifically the same. But it's how do you figure out how to get your business in there to solve that very specific problem? A lot of companies will try to say, well, I have the answer to your problem, but you never talk to the person to really get their perspective on it. And so we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time helping them understand how to deliver their, their services, their goods, to that specific company, suspend your bias, understand the job from their perspective and not your own. Okay. So there's, there's a couple of different facets to this, at least two that I'm, mm-hmm. that I'm picking up on. One is the, the mindset, mm-hmm. the wherewithal to say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And, and I guess customer discovery is the kind of the accepted nomenclature for that right. idea. We're going to go find out what right. problems people are having, how they're viewing them, right. All of those kinds of things. And then there's, I don't know, maybe structure, discipline, regular methodology around how to conduct customer right. discovery. Right. There's both of those things, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely – when you think of it, you've got an ecosystem. There's stakeholders. And if you have stakeholders within this ecosystem, let's just take, for instance, um, I was working with a company – well, it was actually some student startups out of Florida State – and they had a sensor that worked in harsh environments. Now, they thought NASA was their client. They thought like SpaceX and all of those rocket propulsion places was their, was their client. Um, now, true indeed, yeah, that could 
could have been a client, but was that the right market entry for you? So we spent a lot of time. I said, let's put, let me push back on you a little bit. Let's do a little bit more customer discovery and see what other industries and segments that may have the potential interest and what your technology is from harsh, from a sensor we're operating in a harsh environment. Um, so they found a company, they found a customer in Siemens. They use jet turbines. They have a need for sensors. They have a need for jet, um, high temperature sensors. So they're able to do customer discovery, push back on the initial idea to get into a market to be able to test out their, their product. Then once they were able to test out their product using via a case study, then they were able to see, Hey, you know what? We do have a market, but it was not the market that we thought. It was a whole nother adjacent market and they were able to grow scale. And they're doing like, I mean, leaps and bounds in revenue. So wow. it's just finding the right customer. Oftentimes we have an initial assumption who we think the customer is, but customer discovery unpacks all these other markets that you're not even thinking about that have the potential problem. And there's a lower barrier of entry because some of these markets, depending on the deeper the technology, the deeper the tech that you're working on, there's regulations, there's challenges, there's hurdles like that that can prevent you from getting in and prevent you from scaling in those markets. And with your background and experience, you have the scar tissue knowledge base, experience base, maybe oh, to yeah. to save me some right. some time, energy, and effort in trying to get something ramped up, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about it a couple of weeks ago, and I keep a record of all the coaches, I mean, all the companies I've worked with over the years, and I thought about it. I've worked with, I've spent over 15,000 hours mentoring, coaching, and consulting. Wow. Over, coaching over 700 companies five different continents and 13 different countries um, and across over a hundred different types of industries. And I, and I thought about that and then, you know, <laughs> there, there are some industries that are like, like that are like way out there. But when you understand the basic fundamentals of business, the principles of business um, I haven't found too many markets that I've tried to jump in. And if I don't know it, I just say, Hey, look, I don't have a clue about what you're doing, you know, in that specific market, but I do have a friend that can help you. Um, but yeah, you learn a, a certain unique set of skills. Um, and I think that's why I love being here at ATDC. Um, while I'm able to coach and mentor to a lot of the companies, there's also a lot of companies that are in, in segments that I've never coached in before. But hmm. they stretch me to learn. They stretch me to be a better coach, to be a better mentor. So it becomes a bit of a learning process for me as too, and a humility process for me as well. So you're learning the whole time. Hey, I'm right? learning the whole you're time too. You're building your base. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So let's don't name any names if the answer to this is yes. But <laughs> but do you occasionally run into people that you just have to say to yourself, these folks are uncoachable? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. I know, and I know instantly whether a company is coachable or not. You can pick that up pretty I can quick. Pick, oh, like I mean, like a dog can sniff out a bone <laughs> in a six feet of dirt. You know, I can tell when a company is coachable or not. And sometimes I'll back off. Sometimes they're just not ready for coaching. Mm. Um, sometimes they just they don't know what they want or what they need. And so, last thing that they want is they're the expert, and getting them to be able to suspend that to say, <clears> hey, you know, you have a a, a certain pattern of thinking that you have that can be beneficial to us that help that that has a what you have a or or a way of looking at problems and extracting it and we can benefit from that because sometimes when you get in the thick of things you know they've got investors they've got employees they've got all these other competing things that kind of stifle <clears throat> some of that creativity and that ability to really strategize and think through problems sometimes. And so and that's where the mentors and the coaches can come in because we can look at it from a different perspective and say, 
hey, this is what we think, but getting them to acknowledge that they need to be coachable um, or need to be coached is is sometimes hard at first. But, you know, they usually come around when it's like either I get coaching or I die. Right. So speak, Don't make you know, then it's like, okay, I'm ready for coaching. Can you help me out of here? Uh, so, so far, I don't think that anyone has told me I'm uncoachable in the business world, but I was mm-hmm. told that quite a bit playing second base for Slick and Ellie's pizza. And it Uh-oh. always just really, I mean, it just, you know, it really hit me in the gut. Yeah. Right. Peyton, you're uncoachable. Right. <laughs> but hopefully I've matured enough that that doesn't, that that doesn't happen now. Right. If you have um, a new effort that you we're going to embark upon. Would you seek out a mentor? Oh, absolutely. I have people even as I, experienced and all as you are. You oh, would still. I, I am. I, you know, I think that in this business, working with companies, I think humility, honesty, and integrity, and knowing your strengths and weaknesses is very crucial to be successful in the business world and in this industry. Um, if if you begin to think that you are above yourself, um, mm. you will miss multiple opportunities. There are moments sometimes. I may not necessarily get the opportunity to talk to people that I would like to have advice from, but I'm an avid reader. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm constantly feeding myself, and sometimes I'm able to gleam an answer for something that I'm struggling with from someone that I may follow on Twitter or someone that I may follow on LinkedIn, and I'm able to connect with that person um, and to get, you know, if I can't get to them directly. But Mm -hmm. also, you know, I'll. You know, I believe in, you know, accountability. I've gone to some of the catalysts here, um, here at ATDC and saying, Hey, is there something that you see within me or see within my coaching that you think needs to be changed or needs to be adjusted? Or, you know, do I need to dial back, dial it up, say something this way as opposed to this way? Yeah. I'm all about, uh, learning and, and walking in humility because you'll never get anywhere being arrogant in this business. So let's talk about the ATDC environment a little bit. You mentioned Catalyst. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know the, the distinction, or at least around here, between mentor and Catalyst, is, right. is it a different role, a different set of responsibilities? Yes. So, it, it you know, we all are here to support the companies. Right. We all do it in different capacities. The Catalyst are assigned, co- are assigned um, companies to them. Okay. As mentors, we're not assigned any companies. We're here to be a support staff, a support system to the to the catalyst and to ATDC. Now we do get companies that frequently see us as mentors because mm-hmm. every mentor has a different set of skills, and sometimes you know the catalyst you know may have that skill set or may not have that skill set, but the mentor does, um, and so we spend time um, you know. Support, like I said, supporting the staff because that's what the mentor's ultimate role is, is to be a support system um, to ATDC and to the catalyst and to the staff. So what's your favorite part, man? What do you like the most? I love customer discovery. <laughs> that's that's the part that I, you know, I um, I can tell a company if they've done customer discovery, if they, if they really know their industry, they really know their market. Um, if they don't know their market, you know, I can sniff that out instantly. Uh, so yeah, I love the customer discovery part. I love ripping it apart. I love dissecting it. You know, I like to say that I'm very surgical, intentional, and tactical when the way I coach and the way I mentor. Um, I often try to look for your blind spots, um, and then coach to your weaknesses and encourage your strengths. You know, and that, that's what my role is. You know, I view, view my role as as a mentor. You know, you know, you're the what, and I'm the how in this equation. You know, so. 
how do you get from point A to B if you're stuck? So if you're stuck, my role as a mentor is to find a way to get you unstuck um, and let you own the decision about where you're trying to go. Man, it is so evident just in hearing you talk about it, how right. passionate you are about oh, that yeah, whole I process. <laughs> I, I believe it. So you don't have to sell me at this point, okay. although you might have had to Uh-oh. a year ago okay. on this, the value of customer discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's because I'm hanging out here so much. Right. And boy, do I not know how to go about it. Um, so there really is some, 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 some structure, some methodology, yes, some correct. rules, some disciplines that should be followed correct. to do that properly. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. I know you can't run a whole class. Yeah, here, so so to give a short snapshot, so we use we do the customer discovery process. We do use the business model canvas. Um, the business model canvas works really really well with when you couple that with customer discovery. Customer discovery is you going out, getting a good understanding of the customer's problem, not your solution or your technology. So oftentimes we tell people leave your technology out of the equation so that we can focus on what the industry problem is. And once we understand uh-huh. what the industry problem is, then you can in turn say, hey, this customer segment over here is not our segment. So, Or this customer segment might be our possible segment, but let's do a little further customer discovery. And customer discovery is, is, is around asking questions, understanding the day in the life of that individual, understanding how are you doing your job? How do you go about getting that job done? What are the tools you need? What are the problems you're having? What are the friction points in that specific job? And then we try to find enough people that have the same problem. Then once we found that cluster of people that have the same problem, we found a customer segment. Then that's where you begin to build around the customer segment. Now, it doesn't stop there. Then you move into now we have an MVP. Now let's tell people what our technology is. We found a segment. Now that segment and matched it with that MVP. Now let's go test this thing and see if it actually works. And then we get the feedback from that. I tell people who build apps and develop, say, listen, you don't build anything until you talk to people, until you know <laughs> specifically what they need. Yeah. We're too way enamored with going and building things and building stuff. I got to raise that money. I got to raise that seed round. I got to get that series A. We get so caught up in the the glamour of the world of startup that we forget yeah. are we building companies are we hiring people are we building jobs are we truly disrupting industry are we truly changing the narrative um, those are the things that I kind of care about and those are the kinds of things that customer discovery can unpack now do you personally have a sweet spot in terms of industry or size sector that you really like to sort of stay in a lane yeah so it, mo- I love anything that like I said is research focused. Um, I love working with scientists. I love working with engineers. Okay. Um, I love anything, like I said, anything that's in biotech, aerospace, energy, military technology, defense, education, anything that's research related that spins out of a university. Um, I have a strong strength in tech transfer. So I understand that process. I understand what it takes to take a product from the university, commercialize it. Um, take it to market, understand all the challenges that, that some of them will face, whether it's trying to sell into DOD, or whether it's trying to understand the FDA and how where do your technology or solution falls into that equation, um, or if it's trying to get past any regulatory issues as it relates in from the energy space. Um, so I help companies, scientists build successful companies. But 
translating the science into business. And oftentimes they don't know how to do that. They're very smart at the science, uh-huh. but they don't know the business. And so I'm kind of like the conduit. I'm the in-between person. I'm technical enough to understand their, their research, but I understand the business. And so I help them to form a business out of their research. And so that's where my sweet spot is. Wow. I, I just wonder, as you were saying, how much really good, solid research that could probably have tremendous impact mm-hmm. on the planet right. is not being and may not ever be commercialized right. because they're, for whatever reason, they're not taking advantage of the kind of expertise right. um, and attention that you and ATDC give toward this. So uh, I think I know the answer to this, but your counsel would be, I believe maybe instead of just going out into the world and seeking a mentor, Mm -hmm. find a structured system Mm -hmm. for whom it is their, their, the reason they get up in the morning, like Mm -hmm. an ATDC to help guide you to, to some of the right resources. Yeah. That would be your counsel. Absolutely. I mean, spend some time. I mean, people here at ATDC from the mentors to the catalyst to the staff, they're very generous with their time and they have deep, deep understanding of multiple industries, multiple segments, and they care deeply about companies being able to be successful. Um, there's a lot to be said when it, when you're speaking of ATDC. Um, there's a lot that comes with that, and I think that if companies would really buy in the process, and what I mean by buy-in, buy-in for the customer discovery, go through the educate. If your desire is to be an accelerate, do what you need to do to be that. If your desire is to be a signature, do what you need to do to do that. And then you have the coaching staff, you have the mentor staff, you have all the resources that are here to help you be successful. Sometimes one of my famous things that I like to tell companies is sometimes you need to slow down to speed up. You know, oftentimes it's like, you know, it's like you're trying to take a corner, you know, a sharp corner, 90 miles an hour in a Hyundai yeah, you may get it, but you may run off that cliff. But if I give you a Ferrari and have you make that corner at 90 miles an hour, yeah, you may make that corner. So it's helping entrepreneurs understand you're a, you're a Hyundai right now. You're not a Ferrari. And so, but you have the ability to get there and this environment can help you get there so that when you do get to that corner and you have to take it at 90 miles an hour, now we've equipped you with the right vehicles, the right tools, the right resources so that you can in turn be a successful um, entrepreneur or take that corner at 90 and have the confidence to be able to do that. What a marvelous set of resources. Um, I mean, th- th- thank God for ATDC. And, and, and I think they're very blessed to have you on board. Uh, so if someone wants to reach out, have a conversation with you, talk more about mentoring in general, or maybe yes. begin to get some insight on anything from customer discovery to mm-hmm. genuinely commercializing research, what's the best way for them to connect? Uh, whatever you think is appropriate, LinkedIn, email, phone, whatever's a, uh, yeah, appropriate. Yeah, you know, all of the above. I mean, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, they can uh, reach out to my website, I design and I design project. They can find me there. Um, I'm also, they can find me in ATDCs online. Uh, they just put my name in there and they'll find all my um, information as well. Um, or you can find me in my uh, personal lounge boy <laughs> chair right here in the uh, lobby. You know, I know, you know what my coffee waiting on folks and, uh, but yeah, you can find me here. I'm very easy to find. There's not too many Nakia Melissios floating around here. <laughs> well, it has really been a pleasure visiting with you this morning. Absolutely. Keep up the good work, man. And let's check in with each other from time to time. Absolutely. Get us updated on some of the stuff that you're working on. And, Absolutely. uh, because these are stories, I think they need to be shared, man. Yes, yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Hey, stay with us. We're going to visit with a couple more guests, okay? Absolutely. Appreciate that. 
All right. Next up on ATDC Radio this morning, please join me in welcoming to the show CEO with Press Sports, Mr. Conrad Cornell. Good morning, sir. Morning, Stone. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you. So what did you learn in that last segment? Well, I, I think that we uh, did some customer discovery, but maybe not as in-depth as what Nikhil was describing. <laughs> so what was that like for you? Did it, did it surprise you uh, how much you did learn and maybe that maybe you learned some things that, that you just did not see coming when you went through that process on your own? Well, I mean, it, it was weird. So I was in college and we had this idea drew and i did i'm here with my partner drew good uh, morning drew how are you what's your last name drew uh, williams all right well you're famous now yes sir <laughs> so we have drew with us as well and your role in the company i'm the cfo and cmo we're oh, kind of both. lots yeah, of O's. a lot of stuff yeah <laughs> like going co-founders, on. just us all right so you, you started this thing in college and you were about to say that it was that it was weird go, go ahead well so i'm i'm, I'm going into my senior season of baseball at mercer university and talking to drew we have this idea for starting a sports platform that functions identical to Instagram, but it's just for sports highlights. Cool. Because talking to you know all of our friends, all my teammates, nobody wanted to post their highlights growing up on their Instagram pages because there's this negative stigma surrounding posting your own highlights. Uh, okay. And so, like, we were wishing, man, it would have been cool if we had been posting all those the whole time because these Instagram pages are going to be the photo albums of our lives that our kids look at. Right. And so it's like, well, I never posted any of the videos of me wrestling, any of the videos of Drew and I in Little League playing together in high school, baseball, football. They're all gone. I mean, I can't get them. There was one video of me scoring a touchdown that was uploaded to YouTube. So that, that's <laughs> yeah. all I got. Right. And so it's like, all right, well, do kids have this problem? Because this app would be for kids. So we, you know, I sent out a survey. I went in literally – printed out 300 of them and went and gave them to two middle schools and two high schools and got back the data. And it was like 72% of the kids were on Instagram and of of the girls, 98% of them didn't feel comfortable posting sports highlights and 84% of the guys don't post sports highlights. Now, did they say why they didn't feel comfortable? Just like this stigma that we're talking about. Like it's like you're yeah. being full of yourself doing that? Is yeah. that the so I went to the University of Mississippi and when Conrad called me about this stigma, we had this in high school. We went to rival schools and we had all these highlights and we couldn't put put it anywhere. Uh if you put it on Instagram, it came off a little arrogant, stuff like that. And so we thought, why is there not a profile that could hold all these sports highlights? And so we went out, did the surveys, like what Nikea said, the the uh the customer research is is huge because we may mm-hmm. think that there still is a negative stigma, but if the market doesn't think that, there's nothing to do. So, and it probably is. Is it getting less and less so? Because we're a lot quicker to show our how much fun we're having at Disney World or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to post a picture of them and their girlfriend, them and their family on vacation at the beach. And kids, you know, we're seeing the young kids especially will post on Instagram. But what we've seen, we've been doing this for two years now, is a lot of the kids, when they get towards the end of high school and start getting into college, they'll delete all their sports posts. Oh, wow. um, Because it's just they get to college and nobody cares. Yeah. (laughs) And all their friends are like, why would you post that home run from junior year, man? It's not that cool. All (laughs) right. So I'm a little confused. So so there's this stigma, but somehow what you guys have designed works through or around that? 
So yeah, so on on press sports, it, it functions identical to Instagram. So you know we, you know, the majority of teenagers around the world are familiar with Instagram and are using it. So we modeled the platform after Instagram, but instead of building a follower base, you're building a fan base of people that you know want to see those highlights. So you don't. Have I to see. F- it's yeah. appropriate. It's it's more appropriate yes. to do that. Almost kind of like the radio business. Like if you just not that there's not value in you know sitting at your house and doing a podcast about how smart you are. But it's more appropriate, like on the Business Radio X Network, right? Exactly. You got this because that's what we do is we cover business stories. So it's it's appropriate. It's expected. It's, it makes sense that I would have my home run on press sports. Yeah, because ah. yeah, because your follow base on Instagram, there's some people that are like, I don't want to see, it. I don't want to <laughs> see your sports stuff at all. But they may want to see it on another platform like press sports. How about that? Wow. So, um, we don't have him mic'd up anymore, but I'll get a nod from him. That's good customer discovery. Really thinking <laughs> it. I'm getting two thumbs up over there. By the way, I think what you're doing for ATDC is phenomenal with, uh, the mentor, because <laughs> we're 24 year old kids and we, we, we don't, we need this kind of mentorship that you give to, to, to us. All right. So walk us through, um, how you got things ramped up, what you're doing now. Yeah. So, you know, we were, we were in college. Um, this was about October of 2017. So in the, the fall semester, senior year, it's like to start talking to Drew. All right, let's, let's do this. Let's make this business plan plan and send these surveys out to make sure kids have the problem. So December go after some friends and family. Cause you know, we have, we don't know how to code need some capital. Um, All right. So you need some money to get this thing going. You can only call in so many favors, right? You got drew fired up, but you know, you can't, you can't have people coding till midnight on just that. Exactly. So we got an angel investor who was going to, who's going to take care of the MVP. And so we hired, or we interviewed about four development companies and went with one that actually outsources to India, but they're based out of Ohio. They're called sunflower labs. They've done a great job, but the issue that we ran into, so, you know, we're in the middle of our last semester of college and we're trying to prototype this app with these, with our team in India. And I don't, neither of us know how to use Photoshop. So we're sending them notes and sentences (laughs) about what this app is supposed to look like with little sketches. And it's taking like eight iterations to get like one screen of the prototype done. Right. Because they're just, we're sending it to them and it's like, this is not their native language. Like we can't expect them to understand. They're like misspelling words on the, it's like, it's not their fault. We should, we should have, if I could go back and do it, we, I would have been on Photoshop. I would have learned it. I would have made the prototypes exactly what they're supposed to look like. And it would have taken 10 days, but instead it's taken two and a half months to get the prototype done. And then they start coding the MVP. And so we launched the MVP two days after we got knocked out of the conference tournament. So I'm done with college, done with baseball. Drew and I moved back to Atlanta, and we have our MVP, and we're beta testing with 200 beta testers. And that kind of goes on. All right, you got 200 athletes to start posting stuff on this platform. Yes, yep, on the platform where they they know they're testing it. They know we're looking for feedback to make it better. Right. Um, But that's work. That's that's grunt work, right? I mean, you don't just throw a, you know, send an email or throw up a post. That is grunt work, getting 200 real beta testers to do this. Yeah. So what we did is we would reach out to them on Instagram and we made them a personal highlight tape in exchange for them being a beta tester. Sweet. Okay. uh, it's part of the, like, uh, it's the customer discovery is what that is. Cause we know exactly what they're using on the, on the MVP. 
and what we need right. to really infiltrate, what parts to really expand and stuff like that. So we get to the point of about January and we've had two updates to the app. We're ready to start kind of reaching out to people who are now users instead of people who know, know they're testing out something new. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where like we, okay, so now we're going to market, but we don't really have a marketing budget. Uh, <laughs> and so we're just going crazy. You just tell Nakia and he tells everybody when they walk by in the lobby. <laughs> well, so, I mean, we, we get to January and we have 500 people by that point that were aware that they were testing the app and now it's up to us to start growing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't really have a brand. Um, nobody really yeah. knew what press sports was. So we tried all these big, uh, like marketing, like social marketing on Facebook. And it just wasn't as effective as we thought it was going to be because we realized that nobody had ever heard of us before. So they're not going to necessarily be interested. But so, so we cut that and we started going back to what was working for the, to get the beta testers on there, maxing out the DMs on Instagram every single day. Yeah. And, it got to the point where, you know, we started, we realized, okay, we have all the best baseball players in the country, literally the be- the top-ranked players in the country using the app. We need to tell people they're using the app. We need to make rankings and rank the kids that are using the app. Because uh-huh. So what we did is we started making these rankings about in, I think, maybe April was our first rankings. And at that point, we had about 2,500 2, kids on the app. Yep. And we made these files and it showed where they were committed and it, and it appeared like it was the national, our take on the national rankings for kids that are sophomores in high school because we had all the best players. But we made such good looking files that they would all repost them and share them on their, on their social media pages. Nice. And it like seriously accelerated growth. I mean, those posts were getting a hundred thousand impressions. And they they were free because now you got these people doing some of that legwork for you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so to touch back on Marvelous. what Conrad was talking about, growing the brand—that's a big part of businesses. Because we went into these Facebook advertising, and we're just spending all this money. But one thing we realized is that people will not give into a product until they see the product four or five times on average. And so we realized growing that brand. Uh, which is what we've been doing and patience like uh, Nakia was talking about is huge in a startup. Uh, mm-hmm. In the beginning we had, we were hovering around I think 2000 Instagram followers. Now we're up to 14,000. So, and wow. that's all Big happened difference. in the last three months just from growing the brand and not, you can't rush anything. It's all, you got to just adapt to what the market gives. But what the, what you have going now though, it, it's not going to stop. It's only going to grow and maybe even exponentially because now you've got the community behind it. Yeah. We, I mean, we've, we've definitely got a lot of the top athletes, um, in the country using, using the app. And so our goal is to kind of fill, fill in the pyramid because we, we've reached out to the top of the pyramid through, mm-hmm. through social, like free DMs. We had a, we had a product, a platform that they, you know, needed. We've we've never gotten a, me- a mess. We've gotten people that said no, I'm not going to get on it. But we've never gotten someone say to us after we sent them a DM with a quick explanation of the app and telling them to get on, say, Nah, man, I'm already on this. Yeah. Because we're the only multi-sport platform that's taking this approach to. It's a social media. So it's not just baseball. It's not just baseball because 
It just happens to be it, where y'all came from, so that was a good place to baseball's start. Baseball's been a good start for us, but uh, volleyball, football, basketball, they've all been coming around big time. Fantastic. Like, lacrosse has the most momentum right now. Yep. All right, and so is it is it high school, collegiate, or is it can it just keep going further down and you'll find your um, penetration? It's um, So kind of going back um, a little bit, backtracking, the vision kind of one of the things we thought of initially was, okay, we're at the Braves game. This is back even before, and we're talking about, man, Dansby Swanson. He's, you know, every 15-year-old in Atlanta's hero right now, and Acuna. How come we can't go on a profile and see them hit, see every single thing they've done in sports, including their weightlifting accomplishments? Maybe they played basketball in high school. Everything they – a full picture of them in – as an athlete in footage on one profile, because none of them post it just like the kids, just like us. None of the pros post their highlights either. Right. Mm-hmm. So a profile of Dansby or, or Acuna <clears throat> that dates back to when they were 13 and made a profile. Of that would be cool, right? It, so, so what yeah. we did now, and what's awesome is we've got all these top players in the country. We've got, you know, Dylan Lesko is a top-ranked player. He's out of Buford right now. That's Eric a rising Gilbert. sophomore. Eric Gilbert, the tight end at Marietta. Drew Jones, Andrew Jones' son. Um, you know, we've got Jaden Fielder on there, Prince Fielder's son. You know, these kids, and those are the pro sons that you would know, but a lot of them don't have the names like that that are equally as good. They're posting all their footage on press. They're 14 years old, and a nice. lot of them are going to be those Mike Trouts, those Bryce Harpers, <clears throat> maybe not – you know, but they're going to be pros. And 10 years from now, little Johnny, who's four years old right now, will be in SunTrust Park being able to look back at this guy's press profile and see what he was doing to train when he was 14 right. years old. Right. Yeah. See that he's benching 120 pounds, right? Exactly. When he's 14 exactly. or whatever, right? And so if I'm a 15-year-old and I want to know <laughs> how good was – what was Brass Harper doing when he was 15? Was he lifting the same as me? Very was cool. he uh, – you know, how hard was he throwing? There's, You can't find any of that film anywhere. That's the, that's the interesting All part. right. Do we have a plan to make money on this? This sounds fun. <laughs> Do we have a plan to make money on this thing, or are we still trying to figure that piece out? It's it, – we, we definitely have a plan. So – We've got all these kids on there. We're going to fill in the bottom of the pyramid first. We've it's, there's a chicken or the or the egg situation where you got to get the players before the coaches sign on, because you know there's the social media side of it. It's a place to interact with different athletes and share your stuff. But at the same time, you're mm-hmm. posting all your sports highlights in one place, and on that same profile, you can upload your grades, your contact info, your coaches' contact info, and a photo of your <clears> transcript. Okay, so now we're talking the recruiting world. Yep, ah. it's a recruiting tool, so, not a ah. recruiting app. Uh, going back to customer discovery, after talking to 10, 10 college coaches in person, the biggest pain point that crosses each sport is that college coaches are spending time talking to players, recruiting them, you know, all this time, all this effort, and then they get their transcript back after at least a week. That's the, t- the time frame of it takes a week to get back a transcript. This kid's never getting into school. Waste yeah. of time. Right. Um so that's a huge pain point for college coaches. And so what we've created is, all right, that kid got my attention. I was here to watch the left fielder, but shortstop made a great pay, play, hit a double in the gap. Or I was here to watch the libero in volleyball and the outside hitter had a phenomenal game. I'm going to look at her press profile. Okay, she works hard in the weight room. She also plays basketball, obviously great at volleyball. This is her transcript. All right, she's a fit. I'm going to use my – or no, she's never going to get in there. I'm not going to waste time talking to her. Even though she's a great player, I might tell the – you know that other school, my conference that uh, right. <laughs> isn't, so, isn't so academic. I don't know. Right. I mean, I'm probably not in your conference, but uh, 
so it's a huge tool for coaches. So what we're going to be doing long term, you know, obviously build the build the value through the user base and then getting the coaches on is is charge the athletes a ten dollar monthly subscription, which allows coaches to access their contact information and academic resume. So they can use it as a social yeah, media. Yeah, I'm spending that 15 minutes in the batting cage with my local minor league uh, player <laughs> coaching me to be a hopeful collegiate athlete, right? So that's very modest investment, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's it's so much more affordable than these other recruiting platforms that are online. And uh, that's what we're trying to help out as well. We want everyone on the app, not just people that can afford that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right, so biggest challenge right now? What What's the biggest hurdle for you right now, and how can we help maybe? So we're going through our um, seed round B right now because we've got to raise these. You funds. need more money. Yes. Yeah, we need more. Drew's money to blow pockets it up. are exhausted. We got to go get some more money. I'm getting ready to. <laughs> I'm going to sell my car here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, to to develop because you need more more better tech. So one thing we we were talking about that viral ability that exponential growth and one thing we're doing after getting feedback from our users in addition you know a second time a couple months ago is. One of the questions we asked them in a survey was, hey, if you had a link to your press sports profile, would you use it? If you would use it, how would you use it? That, mm-hmm. was, a, that was a question, 140 responses, 65% of the kids mentioned without being provoked, I want to put this link in my Instagram bio, in my Twitter bio. <clears throat> Those are billboards, virtual billboards. Well, and that's another way. Maybe they don't want to see the big uh the highlight on Instagram, but maybe it's cool. It's okay to have the link over here on this exactly. other platform. It's just a link to a separate profile. Right. Just like on LinkedIn, highlights. a link on your LinkedIn to your Radio X interview. That's different. Th- yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And and so, you know, we're building this web app so that kids can send their send a link to their profile and an email to a coach. They can send they can nice. put it in their Instagram bio. And they're they already put their huddle links, which is <clears throat> you know, huddle is a competitor, but they have a much different ap- approach where the coaches of high schools pay money for all their all the members of their team to have a profile and the coaches share footage with them. Those kids can then create highlight tapes based on the footage that's shared with them by their coach. But they can't upload something to their profile outside of what the coach has shared to them. All right, so you, but you guys need money, and what else you need? You need some more smarts. You need some. You need some mentoring. What do you need? I think a CTO um, is definitely something that we're keeping our eyes out for. Just so you don't have to outsource completely to Ohio and some flower labs. You know that they've done right. a great job, but you know it's always good to have someone in house doing that. Sure, and it's probably an unfair question. I'll ask it anyway. Timeline. Uh, I mean, do you think you're two years out from really having this thing rocking and rolling? You think you're you know, I think six months out. We we're a year out from implementing the um, revenue model. Okay. Right now we're in the middle of this round, and then we're probably going to have, which gives us this three hundred thousand that we're raising right now. I don't know if I was supposed to go into the specifics of money. Uh, you don't. You don't have to. I'm just kind of curious about where you are in your development, what you see on the horizon. But I did want to. I will ask one thing about the money. Um, because it occurs to me that can be a whole other job. Just you know, you're trying to get all this yes. put together, and then you got this whole other job of going out and trying to raise money. Um, <clears throat> and really, what I want to ask is, uh, to what degree has it been helpful to be part of this ATDC ecosystem on yeah. all of these fronts? So, uh, Brad Schweizer is uh, investment relations, and he's been a big help. <clears throat> um, He's taught me a lot about the convertible notes, all of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, because that's your thing. You're, yeah, and that's so, one of your O-hats, right? Yeah, he <laughs> gave me a textbook, and I learned about a chapter of these convertible notes, and now I get it 
entirely. I totally get it. And, um, and so, you know, he's uh, connected us with some people basically all day. I'm reaching out to potential investors while I'll let Conrad mainly run the, uh, run the other stuff because right now we're in a seed round. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, if we, if we were both doing it, the company would plateau and that would be, that wouldn't be too well. So, uh, so yeah, basically we're in the seed round. I'm having to reach out to these people and, um, yeah, it's about it. Well, isn't it nice too, to have a business partner? Cause I mean, look, you know, most days I, I'm operating under the impression you're excited, you're full of vim and vinegar, you get up, you're, you want to tackle the world. But I mean, some days can be tough as an entrepreneur and it's, it's nice to have that other partner to sort of balance the, the scales on days like that, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, it helps that we're also best friends. So, yeah, right. if one of us, we're not afraid to talk to each other. And that's In the athletic background, um, I, I made the high school baseball team because I had a car. But you know, we all got to do our part. The, the other two athletes on the team didn't have a ride to practice, so everybody's got to do their part. Um, but what I do remember is, uh, you know, there is a certain degree of even in high school athletics of. Um, the, of fortitude and, and you gotta, you gotta stick with, do you find that your athletic background is serving your will in your entrepreneurial pursuit? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think there's a few different things that go, giving you a little bit of background on, on my life and my relationship with Drew. Um, so, you know, growing up at the age of eight, I was diagnosed with Langerhans cell histiocytosis, which is a cancer related blood oh disorder. My treated with chemotherapy. And so that kind of forced me at a young, at a very young age to really value the opportunity that every day presents. Mm. And then what was even crazier is a month after I was cured, got my port taken out. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and my dad lives in London. I'm British. My parents are divorced. So my mom's a single mom with breast cancer that just had. So we move out to Covington with my grandma, but I'm still going to Westminster here in Atlanta where uh, my dad's, great. My dad's grandmother set up a trust fund for me to go to, which was amazing. So I'm living with Drew in Co Covington doing this whole crazy commute thing, like giving baseball lessons to make money to get by. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm scrapping and like, just yeah. like loving life, loving football, loving everything, but then get to college baseball. And it's like, okay, you're getting up at five in the morning every day. And everybody else out. is good too. And I guess I didn't, I wasn't good enough to play college, but I, I assume when you get there, everybody's good. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and another thing about sports is one day you may not have a good day, but you got to know tomorrow is a whole new day and you got to, right. you got to come perform. You that sounds familiar. Doesn't yeah. You can't dwell on anything. So that's another thing that sports really teaches you. Yeah. So I think kind of like that experience at a young age and then going in and struggling to make it to, cause I experienced these problems like press sports is a solution to my recruiting struggle and, mm -hmm. and Drew's, high school career not being documented. There's two issues there. I had a big struggle in recruiting where I never had that big hit in front of the right coach at the right time. Right. Even though coaches were interested in me, they would tell my coach, man, I love the way that guy hustles on and off the field. I just want to see him get the big hit. And I never got the big hit in front of him. So I just kept grinding at it after my senior year uncommitted and f played a, played a good tournament. Finally, Mercer gave me a full, full scholarship. Well, 50% baseball, 50% academic. I committed there a month before school started. So I stuck with wow. it. Stuck with the dream of wanting to play in college and pro, but that didn't 
luckily this came along and kind of <laughs> filled that void for me. But uh, so, but you, you guys are no stranger to adversity and um, undocumented. You didn't have good records of your high school. Exactly. Uh, and so that's what's and also interesting is that we both have different perspectives on what we, we wanted the app to be because Connor had more thought of the recruiting and I thought of just being the regular high school kid that wanted to document to want to document my uh, highlights because right. there's nowhere that I could have put that stuff. And I know I had these videos, but there was just no platform like press sports in which right. I could save them. Wow. But isn't that how so many great ideas are born? And then for you guys to exercise the discipline to get it validated and refined with your customer discovery. Well, keep up the good work, gentlemen. I'm excited for you. Thank you, Stone. I appreciate it. And I yeah. love what you're doing with the uh, ATDC radio. I think yeah. it's great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and keep us posted. Yeah, we will. <laughs> That's definitely. It's, it's, it's a pretty exciting time for us right now. Yesterday was our, our biggest day of growth to date. So we need to go get back. In yeah, we gotta go. <laughs> yeah, we got to go grind. <laughs> All right. We'll turn you loose then. All right. We'll be back in a little bit from ATDC radio.